Okay. Okay. Hi, Donica. I'm so glad you're here. I'm really happy to be here. Welcome. We are making a podcast together. And um, I know (laughs) you're my second (laughs) podcast interview. So it feels really new (laughs) to me. Normally, it's just me sort of like rambling on at yoga church or something like that. Um, How are you today? Where are you? Tell the people. Yeah, I am in my house, which is where I've been um, for this past year pretty regularly. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in my living room with my cat, drinking my tea, and just really looking forward to this conversation. Because it's so Aww. good to see your face and get to know you because we have not met in person yet, which hopefully will happen soon. But. I think that it will. I have this feeling that it will, especially as the weather gets better. Yes. Um, what's your cat's name? Her name's Priya. I adopted her when um, I first moved to Portland. I'm not allowed to have cats in my apartment, <laughs> but I just, I was just, I went from college to living alone and I was like, you know what? I, I'll get a cat. What's the worst that could happen? But I was like, once I got the cat, I started Googling, like, it's like a break of the lease, which is like a break of the contract. Like you could get in big trouble. But I was just like, I need this cat in my life. Oh, oh, hi, buddy. Hi, Priya. <laughs> yeah, she's, it's a podcast, so no one can see her, but she's fluffy and she's a calico and she's yeah. Great. Oh man, and she has very beautiful green eyes. Everyone, it's she gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell us um, a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah, so I grew up in Virginia, um, oh. outside of Richmond, on the East Coast, and um, I was adopted from South Korea. So my parents, um, Gil and Suzanne Burdett. My mom grew up out here, actually. She um, lived in Oregon City, went to University of Oregon. Um, My dad grew up in New York, and they met in uh, North Carolina. And it was my dad's second marriage. And yeah, I think I don't think he could have had kids. Him and his brother both adopted. And so Mm -hmm. my brother and I were both adopted from South Korea. And I grew up in Virginia. And... High school was, you know, as much as much fun as anyone's high school experience, the <laughs> awkwardness and the social weirdness. But um, I eventually came out west for college. I went to Southern Oregon University uh, for art. And, oh, yeah. And I, I love I love doing my artwork. I haven't I haven't done it too much since college. I do it here and there. Um, but yeah, it's it was a it was a great transition into like independence and adulthood, especially because I was like, get me out of here. Like I want to move as far away from my parents as I can. And then once I moved out here, I was like, Oh, I miss you all. My <laughs> so daughter's in Vermont. So I know oh, that. Really? <laughs> yeah. like, How old is she? <laughs> she's 20. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a good time to like get out and you know, find that freedom and but it's also like, oh, yeah, I'm not uh, I don't know everything, <laughs> which oh I thought gosh. I did when I was living with my parents. And then. <laughs> yeah. um, so were you you and your brother, were you adopted at the same time from South Korea? My brother was adopted uh, two years before me. He's three years older than me. And we're okay. from different families. So different parts of Korea. 
um, which was such a, I mean, it's such an interesting dynamic. We had like an adoption group growing up with a bunch of other families and we would all get together and kind of like, I think my parents were trying to like normalize the situation for us. Like there's other people um, who are adopted, but I think there was always this underlining, like, I mean, you talk to, I think anyone who's been adopted and they're like, my parents are my parents. I love them so much. Like they've given me the world. Um, but there's also this underlining like sense of like displacement in a way, which, you know, wasn't really explained or like, you can't really see it when you're in it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we, my brother and I were very different people, which was always so interesting. It was, it was like, I, we were totally opposite. I was very social and, and always wanted to like go out and meet new people. And he was, I think on, I think he is on a spectrum of autism, I think very low. Um, and so it was, it was just very different. And I, and uh, we've, we've, now that we're adults, we can try to like connect more about it all. But yeah, it was, was it, it definitely a known thing in your family that your brother was on the spectrum when he was growing up? Or is it something that's I, talked about? I'm, I don't really remember a specific like realization point of it. It was, he was uh, difficult as a child. Um, more so than I was. So I think he required my parents' attention a lot. And mm -hmm. um, and then I think I think probably when I was in middle school, like fifth grade on to sixth grade, I think that was kind of the time where maybe something was diagnosed, but I was mm -hmm. never I was never fully like informed. I think I was just so young too. And <laughs> Yeah. And also like moody teenager. <laughs> so yeah, it was, my dad's always like, we're more dysfunctional than others. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think for our circumstance for like how strange you put four people who aren't like biologically related at all, <gasps> just like in one environment to like, Oh, you're a family, like see how it works. Like, and Oh I my gosh, that, I never even would have thought of that, yeah, but that's totally true. <laughs> And it's all four of you. It's all four of us. So we're all coming from like totally different backgrounds, totally different areas of the world. And, you know, we expect to like cohabitate under one roof. And, and it was, you know, of course, like every childhood, it was had its moments of craziness and total terribleness. But um, I think right now we've, we've all kind of made it through and and we can all look at each other and say that we love each other. And it's like, I'm like, I don't think we're that dysfunctional. <laughs> like well, I call sounds, you all on the reg. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like your dad has a penchant toward some self-honesty maybe there. Do you find that to be true? Um, He's. Yeah, he's also he's I've noticed he's pessimistic, too, about <laughs> things. <laughs> I've like noticed that recently as I'm like, oh, like, that's a negative outlook. But it's like, okay, like, <laughs> I have negative outlooks on things. But <laughs> yeah, it was a it was definitely interesting and a unique, I think, experience that I didn't think was unique at the time. I just kind of felt like something was different, but I didn't really know why. I mean, obviously, my parents are white and I'm Asian. Um, uh -huh. 
but yeah, when I was young, I was just so concerned about like friends and socializing and, you know, being a, being a young woman in, in America, um, bombarded <laughs> totally. with everything that we're bombarded with. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I didn't even have like a chance to kind of step back and see like, oh, this situation's like, what is this situation? And like, what is this dynamic? And um, we're still, you know, to this day, unfolding it and figuring it out. But, yeah. yeah. Was um, your family spiritual or religious at all? My dad was raised semi-religious. My bro- So interesting you asked that because um, I would consider myself spiritual. I, I sometimes don't know how to sometimes place it or um, I don't I don't identify with any um, specific religion, but my brother recently became Christian and he's oh. very, very involved in his Christianity. And um, my parents aren't really my mom definitely is not. Okay. So it was interesting. Um, but he struggled a lot like he sh- he struggled a lot to find um, friends and to be social and to understand these dynamics with other people. So we really, I really appreciate what his church community has done for him because he's found friends and he's had girlfriends Mm -hmm. and relationships. And it's like, you know, we, I've had my opinions about organized religion forever. (laughs) And, but until I've, I've met someone who like, it helps him. It really, truly at the end of the day helps him. Um, Granted, I don't, I don't care to to hear about it too much from for like how he he sometimes projects it onto people he around proselytizes. Him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I think yes, that's the word. Yeah. But besides <laughs> that, it's like <laughs> exactly. But yeah, yeah, it's I'm I'm not my parents aren't really, but my brother I my I dad just, my dad believes in God, but he's he doesn't go to church oh. or mm-hmm. yeah. I just heard something recently on um, the 10% Happier podcast where Dan Harris was talking about that um, friendships that were, they studied like friendships and relationships that were made in religious communities, like whether they're Christian communities or meditation communities or yoga communities, Mm -hmm. things like that. And they tended to be really um, supercharged relationships. Because it cuts through a lot of that initial uh, stuff that might like be brought up in work where it's like, you know, you're at the office or the restaurant or whatever it is. And you're like, what are your values? What is this? What is this? You know, what do you believe? But when you meet in this place, like a church or yoga studio, there's kind of an inference of understanding that already happens. Like there's a foundation on which the relationship can be built that already is solid which I found so yeah. fascinating. I never even thought of that. And I think that people crave that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's not a natural thing to talk to someone who you are romantically interested in, or even just in a friendship, like, you know, to get down to the core of, of kind of their belief system or, you know, a little bit how they see the world and how they view themselves in the world. And it definitely kind of, it's like, oh, okay. Like this is this common thing that we already, we don't have to search for it. Like it's, it's, um, it's just kind of like the head of the conversation, right? Like, which is really, yeah, yeah, really cool. I can see how that connections 
yeah, a lot like what was the word you used? Like supercharged. Uh, supercharged. <laughs> yes, that was the word you used. <laughs> yeah. Um, and was in your family when you were growing up, was race anything that you talked about? Never. Pretty much never, besides, you know, you're Korean. Like, yeah, it's just you're Korean. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. But it um it was never it was rarely talked about, um, which now I wish it probably were <laughs> talked about more. And I actually just had a conversation with them, like, um, actually after the shooting in Atlanta a couple weeks ago, I think that was two weeks ago, I was, yeah. I was pretty upset. And um, I, I, I called my dad and I was just like, oh, I'm just like really upset about this. And then my dad's like, you know, plus, plus I love my dad. So he was like, oh, I didn't. Oh, like an idiot. I didn't even think about how it would have like affect you. And, and I was like, don't ever like blame yourself for not like, you know, they see, they see me and my brother as their children. Right. Yeah. So um, I they were never confronted with uh, social things uh, about stigmas about, you know, being Asian. So they, you know, they saw us as their kids and um, they never, I don't think, not that they couldn't empathize because my parents are so sweet, so empathetic people. It's mm-hmm. just, they never were, they never thought of it. Right. Like they were like, Oh, we grew up in Virginia, nice white suburban <laughs> area. I was like one of two Asians in my grade. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, there wasn't a lot of support or community or transparency even would be the word that may, I think of. Um mm-hmm around you being Korean and this, so the shootings, it, do you feel like that was an opening for you and your family to have this conversation? I think it's kind of crazy because, you know, living under a roof of people who, um, not that they didn't want to acknowledge it, but it was just never really a topic of conversation that was brought up, you know, for myself, I never brought it up for myself. Right. Like, you know, I, um, there's this, like a lot of Asian people don't say this. It's like, oh, you're like a banana. You're yellow on the outside, white on the inside. It's totally, it's totally, <laughs> but, um, and, but I never even like for myself, I, I rarely thought about myself as Asian in this world, besides of those moments, like growing up, like, oh, check the boss box. Like if you're um, black, Asian, white, like, and I would always check Asian but I always felt like why like I don't like you know I had no culture behind it I was like so um far removed from that side of myself which was so evident to so everyone else right like yeah so it was really interesting um the shooting last or two weeks ago for the first time I just it was kind of an opening for myself like it was this realization like this is who I am in this world. Um, this is how I'm perceived. And this is how, like, and I, and I want to own this side of myself. And it was um, a lot of growing up. It was like a lot of, you know, trying to blend, trying to fit in, trying to be accepted in the community that, you know, there was no real Asian community. And, um, but yeah, so <laughs> I just, I just texted my dad because we usually talk, but I texted him this time and I was just like, 
I would like to maybe have a conversation about this again, like sometime soon. Like I'm, you know, I'm just now kind of becoming open to this, this new thing that I think I've, I've struggled with of accepting. Um, so it's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. I've I know you're kind of blowing my mind right now. I'm tearing up. And like I'm like, when you, it's funny. Cause when you asked to do a podcast, I was like, I don't know if she wants to do it right now. Like I'm going like a lot, there's a lot flowing and there's a lot um, being, there's a lot happening inside my head right now. And, and I mean, of course this pandemic on top of all of this, you know, racial injustice and it's like, it's like, wake, I got to wake myself up a little bit. And I think, I think that was my wake up call, um, which was a terrible way to do so. But um, a beautiful thing is I work with Korean. So it's a Korean owned Japanese restaurant. And yeah, so it's really interesting. I didn't know the relationship between Korea and Japan until literally during this pandemic when I read a book on it. Oh, really? I didn't see. Yeah, I, I didn't, still don't really know. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'll give you the book. You can totally I would have love it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's called Pachinko for those. I'll send you a podcast. The author has a really good podcast too um, and has a similar uh, story to you. And I think that you would really appreciate. I mean, maybe yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. um, But I think you would like it, but there is a relationship between Korea and Japan that I didn't know. So it makes sense. I didn't know that that restaurant was owned by Koreans. That's so interesting. Yeah. So do you, have you all been talking about this at your work? Um, thing I've noticed about Korean culture, see, it's great because I was like, <laughs> I've never been exposed to being around a lot of Koreans, especially a lot of older mm-hmm. Koreans. So um, there's a lot of, most of them are older than me and have families and um, they don't talk about their feelings, really. <laughs> feelings aren't talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be like whispered behind backs, but um, there's no really direct kind of um I mean, frustration, I think, is a is a feeling that they're allowed to like in Korean culture. I think that's a common feeling. But um, vulnerability is is not one that is talked about. (laughs) So so no, we haven't really discussed. I mean, it was brought up just like briefly, like, oh, yeah, like that was crazy. Like, but, you know, I I don't it would be great if like, oh, let's sit down and like but Yeah. I mean, yeah. yep. Then it's just like this is everyone's capacity right now. Here right. we are. We're Here we say are. Yes to this too. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's it's cool. Yeah. How do well? If there's anything else you want to say about that, I want to hear it, and we can also return um, to that later because I think that yoga is not separate from this conversation. And but I would love to hear how you your journey toward yoga. And what called you to teach, like with all of this, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my first yoga class was in college, which was a great time to do it. I think it was like I mentioned before, this initial freedom for my parents. And then, but also I probably craved some sort of like structure. And then my very first class, her uh, her name's Melissa Cooley in Ashland. Mm -hmm. She's like to this day like one of the most impactful teachers just in like a 
couple week course that I took, I just felt like the things that she was saying and the the way that um, this practice aligned with my own morals would just like made sense to me. And I felt like I was probably looking for something like that in my entire mm-hmm. life of, you know, like, where's my place? Like, I also, um, like I was a vegetarian since I was really young. I, I stopped being a vegetarian recently, but especially when I was younger, I was like, no harm to anything, like anyone. And, and I just, I was kind of amazed that there was this like entire, totally pretty much formed idea that I could relate with. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I hadn't, I'd never felt that good in my body before. Um, I was also like eating healthier, being on the West coast in Ashland, Oregon. Uh-huh. It's, <laughs> it's definitely a little, it's a bubble of, of, of wellness and <laughs> versus Virginia, but um, yeah, it was, it was great. And what it were carried the kinds me through things that the teacher was saying that you felt like just out of curiosity to get specific where you um, were, yeah. I really identify with that. When the first yoga class I took, I was like, wait, there's a codified system that gives language to these things that I already knew in my like deepest wisdom you know, (laughs) right. Exactly. Like non-harm and so, and like self-care and mutual care, those kinds of things. Right. And it really affected me. I, so I really relate to that. I had no idea. And then all of a sudden I was like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's so amazing. Like when you find something that it's like, Oh, I was here this whole time. Pretty much. I specifically remember, um, and I don't know why this one memory jumps out, but, um, her sitting there and like reading a whole list of things that, you know, um, you could like potentially like overdo or like overindulge in, in these certain things or, or it's like finding the balance between all these things. And um, it was like just this whole list and it was just like too much caffeine, like too much alcohol or, or even like too much reading to a point. And I just kind of realized I was like, it is all about a balance. And I just like resonated with that. And there's, there's just such beautiful language around the postures. I specifically remember the first time I was in Ustrasana Mm. and and camel and, and just like afterwards in my meditation, just silently crying and just like, just feeling this openness. Um, But it was just, um, I think, concept wise of yoga I still hadn't really grasped it because I was so new to it so I was um really just so amazed by like the power of the physical practice of the asana and I wasn't any good any good at it right (laughs) quotation air quotes like air quotes happen people air quotes air quotes Um, but it just like, it felt right in my body. It felt right in my soul. And, um, yeah, it was like, this is, this is where I want to go. Of course it didn't, it wasn't consistent. I was in college. I was also, you know, partying and (laughs) being social and then going to school and class. And, um, and then after college, it really started resonating with me, a regular practice. Um, and I moved here. And yeah, and it all kind of unfurled from there into my life. <laughs> yeah, 
that's the most beautiful thing about it. And um, I feel like once you feel that resonance inside of you, uh, it's sort of like an uh-oh situation, right? Because you're like, uh-oh, well, I guess this is a part of my life now, you know? <laughs> this is it, yep. <laughs> this is it. And then it, it, it there's not, it's sort of almost, it's interesting, but my experience, and you can let me know if you resonate with this, but it definitely felt like there wasn't an option then, right? Like I was going to say yes to this thing that called me and it was going to change my life drastically. And it has, you know, um, and sometimes I'm like, Oh no, not this, you know, that when you get the phone call, you're like, Oh, I got to change this too. And it is such a clarifying practice. Um, over time, over time, over time. Yeah, exactly. I definitely resonate with it. And it was, um, yeah, it was one of those things where it was like, I don't know, it just felt so right, like in my body and Mm -hmm. in my heart. And Mm. I, um, yeah, I absolutely love it. I love the practice. I love all the teachings. I love, I also love the, the community that is surrounding it. I love that everyone's kind of has a shared um, something to share in in an experience. That's more than just like conversation, right? Like Mm -hmm. being in a room full of people that are there. And I, I miss that. I miss being in person with people. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When you're teaching, like take me a little bit through your process. Like when you know you're going to teach that day, like, yeah. how do you choose what to teach? What happens for right. you? So it, the process has definitely shifted a lot since COVID has started. Mm-hmm. And now I teach in my house. Um, beforehand, <laughs> <laughs> beforehand, I, I would, um, you know, I was taught, um, you know, maybe to work around a peak pose or um, an energetic theme or um, whatever I was, I was working with. Uh, that day. And I really realized that I, I do best when there's people in front of me and I can see how people um, move their bodies or how they're feeling that day. And that's really actually in the moment is how I decide. I have a, a premise and outline of the class, but um, I, I was always taught, like, once you walk into a room and you, and you see everyone, if if you can tell the energy is slower, like, you know, you know, maybe slow it down a little or, or focus more on grounding or, or if it's a really sunny day and um, try and focus on something more uplifting or, and it was always like, um, I, I was only teaching for a year in person, but it was such a great year. And I learned so much mm-hmm. um, really about how I really needed to listen to the students, even though they weren't saying anything, but I could see it in, in their bodies. I could, I could feel it in the room and hear it in their breath. And, and so, and it was like this, like beautiful kind of like dance almost between like what, what I was seeing and then like where I would go next. And um, of course it was, there was structure to it. Like I would say, oh, we're working towards Garudasana today or but I really miss that and I think that's it's been difficult online because that's how I taught my first um my first year of teaching was feeding off of the people listening to them it's for the Mm -hmm. students right like 
I want to be selfless yeah. in this experience. And um, sometimes when I get in front of a camera, I just like, and I'm in my own house and <laughs> I'm like, all right, like I, I'm imagining that you all are out there, um, but it's, it's different. So now my process is a lot more planning out a sequence, making sure it's articulate, um, trying to battle through nerves of, <laughs> mm-hmm. of talking to an empty room and hearing myself mm-hmm. speak. But yeah. Oh my gosh, I know that it's interesting that you say it that way because the teaching process, it a lot of times when we walk into a room and it's full of people, that service aspect can really become like a scaffolding, right? That holds us up and buoys us as teachers. It's like, here we are to be in service to this moment, to do deep listening. And you articulated right. that so well, like you can do it by listening through seeing the bodies, you can do it by listening to the breath or just feeling the energy of the room. Like nothing needs to be said. And there's a relational aspect. And then we get in front of the camera and there's no one there. And we meet ourselves, like our nerves. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) And all of the times we say, um, or, (laughs) you know, it's, or maybe, or maybe, maybe so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And there's no one else there. And so there's this constant sort of tension in the, I I noticed that I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like meeting myself. I'm sick of myself to be quite honest. (laughs) And it's like, and they're sick of me. Right. And then it's like, no they're not yeah I know yeah (laughs) they're not and you're just so you know to reflect this back at you at free love people have resonated with your classes immediately so there is something Mm. that you are doing where you are meeting people (laughs) and I don't you know it's interesting because I think that we can go online and um talk of is this yoga because it's through a camera or whatever it is, but I know that something is happening. I know that yoga is happening because people reflect back at me how much it changes their day, how much they need it, right? How much they're learning about themselves when we're on the mat, even via this new medium. So yes, it's yoga. Yes, it's in service to connection and that yoking, right? (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just need to remember that. And, and it's so true. It's, and some days it's like this ego, you know, we all have our egos and I, and, and I've noticed teaching in my house when I don't see other people and I'm just, I'm more in my inside my head and thinking about, um, and I need to take a step back and just remember that there, there is someone who's, who's there to, to practice yoga and they're, you know, and I've had people stick with me through this entire year in my house and show up oh. to my classes every <laughs> every Tuesday evening. Um, so, so yeah, it's 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 still there, right? It's just not as you know. There's like I can't see it, but that doesn't matter, right? Like I can't I can't see it. I can't hear the breath anymore. I can't see the body. But hey, if you're receiving it on your end, like that's all that matters. Holy smokes. It's almost like a surrender, right? That's a good way to say it. Like it's a letting go. It's like, okay. And there's beauty in the surrender. I mean, this whole year has been such a opening of the hands. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's only so much 
there's only so much I can do and I'm only in charge of my actions and, and how, how they resonate with others is, you know, I can only put out, put out what I hope would be best for, for that moment. Yeah. And so that's what I, I keep continuing to do. Yeah. What do you look forward to? Like when we do move toward um, being together and like the swirl that happens right in the yoga community, what do you look forward to studying next? Like what's resonating with you? What are you curious about in regards to yoga or beyond? Yeah. Well, I've actually like not directly related to yoga, but um, I've been studying a lot of trees lately and learning about the trees and the environment and um, same with the birds. That's what I've, that's my new hobby these days is walk oh. around Portland and look at the trees and identify them. Um that's my my partner and I, we do that these days. Um oh my I God, want to I love learn that. more about <laughs> it's pretty yeah, it's, it's it's just great. My I spiritual mean, teacher Men, oh my spiritual teacher Menorma, she says if you want to learn, study the trees. That's what she says. She's like, you want to learn about yoga? Study the trees. That's what she really? said. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. Well, I'll take her word I've for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, th- I think I want to learn. Um, I don't know. There's just so much. This this year has been boring in a lot of ways, but it's also been time to like reflect and to kind of be excited about what there is to hold in the future. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely just want to learn, I don't know, more, more about everything. I, I can't really think of anything specific right now. I want to mm. learn more about this community. I want to learn more mm. about how, um, how I can teach in a, in a way that uh, brings people together, which I think I was doing that before, but, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just, reconnecting with people and watching each other kind of come out of this, come out of this on the other side and mm-hmm. out of this cocoon that we're in. Yeah. Right. I know yeah. we're in that like soupy chrysalis stage right before we emerge. It kind of feels like. It does. Um, and I think yeah. the emergence will be slow too. I do too. <laughs> <Probably> <laughs> <you'll> be- <laughs> we're like, we're just poking our head out, Thinking out. Yeah. <laughs> seeing what's happening. Um, yeah. And ha- I wanted to ask you before we close, because I know that this is something different than, um, and we texted about this briefly, but free love is a place where we really bring the world into our teachings. And we bring who we are, like our identity. Um, Parker Palmer, do you know Parker Palmer? Mm-mm. Oh, he's wonderful. He is a teacher who teaches teachers. And he has this book um, called, what is it? I think it's The Art of Teaching, um, which is a really great book. I'll text it to you. And his whole thing is like, we miss something when we don't teach from where we are and who we are and what's happening like from our own identities, from our own vulnerabilities. And that when we can teach from that place, there's a greater opportunity for us to connect 
and have impact in our students' lives, right? And I know um, from some things that you and Anna have said that that wasn't necessarily the case at other studios that you've taught at. And I'm just wondering if that resonates with you at all or how you feel about it. If it's something that's scary or you're looking forward to it. (laughs) Oh, no, absolutely. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, I think going back to your previous question of like, what do you want to learn about this, about yoga or what are you excited about? I'm really excited to be a part of something that I feel like I can, I can be myself in front of people and it's back to the cocoon. I'm still breaking out of that shell, right? So every day I'm still working towards like show up with honesty, show up with what you've learned in your life because it's valid and, you know, it's, it's real to you and it's gotten you this far and, and, you know, all the self-doubt you feel around it, or like, maybe you feel like, oh, you shouldn't like show the, like this vulnerability, mm-hmm. um, you know, is is doing not only them a disservice, but myself, because, you know, I love, I love yoga. I love teaching yoga. Um, I'm so I'm, I'm really excited. I'm so excited to, to be able to show up as myself um, mm-hmm. without judgment, with, with honesty and with reciprocation. Cause I know, like you said, this, this community knows when, like when, the BS is right. Like people, people can sense. And I think anyone can sense, like if someone shows up um, coming from a place that isn't um, sincere in some way. So I, I need, I'm working towards that as myself, as an individual, just day to day, as well as a teacher. And I, I have a long ways to go, but I am excited to continue to mm-hmm. be oh my more gosh, we all honest. Yeah. yeah. Holy smokes. That was, I mean, I'm 42 years old and the big (laughs) learning that I had last year was that if we don't start with the truth, like what's actually true, then we can't heal. And if we're brave enough to start with like, what's actually true, then healing is accelerated exponentially, right? We get an opportunity to actually move through it. And I literally, Donica, just am learning this. So you're, you're well ahead of the curve. Um, you know, I had inklings of it and I was able to compartmentalize it. Like in my teaching, I've always been, well, no, that's not true. I have a moment that I call the teacup moment, which I teach all of the teachers that I train where I had taught this class and I had like this idea of how yoga was supposed to be you know? And I remember I was like using someone else's voice, essentially, you know, that yoga teacher voice, like I'm a yoga teacher. And then I, I had a teacup and I washed it and then I set it on the shelf. And I was, I remember thinking, I'm not doing it this way anymore. And that was it. Like that was it for me in my teaching. And it was really one of the, besides parenting, it was one of the first places in my life publicly where I started to come and just tell the truth. And my classes went from being very small to instantaneously becoming really big because there's people want to be around someone who's telling the truth, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like we did today, you shared so vulnerably, I teared up, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've actually like never shared that like ever. So (laughs) yeah. Do you feel okay? 
Do you oh, feel- I feel totally okay. It, okay. I mean, honestly, it's been, it, it's been such a raw week, couple weeks for me with uh, kind of just self-identifying as Korean. Um, and so, yeah, I just like, this is like the, the perfect opportunity and like being with free love is the perfect opportunity to, to continue that like inward journey of, of like, be honest with yourself, like just acknowledge what you're going through um, and, and show up as you are. Um, yeah. I, I think I, where I, I struggle with finding the balance or maybe I don't struggle with it, but I, I'm still learning kind of the fundamentals of just teaching and using my voice since mm-hmm. I've, I've only had a year with people to, to do this, this work. Um, and so it's, it's now this, this other element of that I can incorporate. I, I see it as a, as a tool that I can use to, mm-hmm. to help, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a fun play between. Well, and it doesn't mean that we go into class and we're like, <laughs> anyways, guess what happened last night? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right but there's something energetic because we can we all can feel the difference between when someone shows up authentically and when someone shows up not in their truth it's ener- we can feel mm-hmm. it energetically and it's interesting because I learned a couple of years ago that we perceive inauthenticity as threat so if I were to show up here with you and be inauthentic There'd be something in you that would feel, even if you don't consciously know, your heartbeat would begin to go faster. You get some Mm -hmm. adrenaline, like something would happen. And so there's, our nervous systems are so wise, right? And so it doesn't even, we don't even have to say anything, but if we come and we're just like, like a lot of times before class, I'll say, I feel nervous friends. Like I'm just feeling really nervous today. And then everyone's heartbeat and my heartbeat can be in a place that is like authentic and no one has to feel like in that activated state of me pretending I'm not nervous, you know, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, which is, it's an interesting development that uh, to know that uh, I think, you know, that science, because we know that in and of it ourselves, that science then now says, actually, that's true, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, it's amazing how humans always need like some sort of like outward justification of something that you're inherently feeling. <laughs> that like, your inner wisdom register? already knows. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, but then I read it in a book and now I'm like, okay, now I can like <laughs> accept it. <laughs> I, I know. I think about that all the time, how there's this book breath that's going around right now. And I'm like, <laughs> like, like, Wait. We've been trying <laughs> to tell you <laughs> for a thousand oh, years <laughs> um, about the benefits of it. It's pretty amazing. Um, is there anything I didn't ask or that you want to share? Um, just I want to say like thank you for for entrusting in me and and bringing me along because this is this is feels like the right moment to be a part of something like this, um, just with everything that's happening in the world today. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so thankful for you and your vision because it's, you articulated always in such a wonderful 
wonderful way. And I want to thank Anna too, because Anna's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful for all everyone involved. And I'm really grateful for you for being willing to um, do this with me so that the community can get to know you a little bit better. And I can too. Um, it's been so much fun. I'm yeah, I'm happy that we are having a conversation and I can see your face. Yeah. And let me know, please. And I will say this publicly, but please let me know how I can support you. And I want to just say that you've done actually a really good job, um, reaching out and saying what it is that you need. And that's something that I struggle with personally. And so seeing you do it helps me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm like, oh, look at Donica asking for what she needs. I mean, I feel inspired, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, she put the offer out there. So might as well just text out a paragraph like, hey, Audrey, feeling this today. (laughs) Yes, I want to know and and let us know how, and Anna and I both want to know and let us know how we can support you on this journey because you are going through this very, I mean, it is potent what you are going through. Um. And any way that we can support you there, uh, let us know, please. Well, right back at you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you, Donica. And we yeah. will see you. Donica teaches on Wednesdays at noon. And we are starting there and we'll see what arises from that. I appreciate you so much. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Mwah. Bye. Bye.